You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church, if you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. And if you don't have your own copy of Scripture with you this morning, that's totally fine. It's page 600 in the Pew Bible right in front of you, page 600. And for those of you that may be new to us or visiting or whatever, just want to let you guys know, kind of catch up to speed, we are in a study through the book of Isaiah, and we're kind of working through uh, some of the major points in Isaiah. And so you're just kind of hopping right in, uh, in Isaiah 40, and I hope that that this morning's message is a blessing to you. You know, Tony Evans uh, tells a story of a man named Terry Dreyer, who on January 10th, 2003, spent 24 hours waiting in the ocean after his boat capsized. Can you imagine 24 hours in the ocean by yourself? Like, that's why I don't go near the ocean very often, because something's going to eat you in there. But anyway, he did everything he could to survive, but later he admitted that after a long period of treading in the water, he was all but certain that he was going to die. That's like one of my worst nightmares, man. But anyway, however, after a lengthy stretch of hopeless and tiresome waiting, a helicopter miraculously located him and sent word to a hospital ship that was on its way to the Persian Gulf. And the name of the ship was the USS Comfort. And the ship was on its way to the battlefront, but it paused its mission to save this one man. And once aboard the ship, the man was nursed back to health by the residing doctor on board. You know, church, there are many people whose lives have capsized. There are many people who are treading water, and they don't know much how, how much longer they're going to be able to hang in there. There are many people who are working hard to survive, but are quickly giving up hope. There are many people who need to be rescued from their crisis before it's too late, and perhaps you're one of those people this morning. I don't know. Friends, if you're on the verge of drowning, the good news is that all you need to do is look up and see that your comforter is hovering nearby. Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. You know, it's been said that God is never too late nor too early, but just on time. How about it? Just like the USS Comfort showed up to save Terry Dreyer at just the right time, God is a vessel of comfort and deliverance for those who look to him, who call upon him, and trust in him. And he tends to reveal himself at just the time that we need him the most. Truth be told, even when we're wading in water with seemingly no help in sight, the Lord never ceases to care for and comfort and uphold his children. As it says in Psalm 46, God is an ever-present help, ever-present, always-present help in times of trouble, even even if we brought the trouble on ourselves. He's an ever-present help. You see, this morning as we continue our study in the book of Isaiah, we're going to find the prophet addressing the people of Judah who brought trouble upon themselves because they rebelled against the Lord and refused to repent. You might say that the nation of Judah capsized on itself. And as a result of their self-inflicted wounds, they were under God's judgment and they were facing this period of exile in a neighboring enemy nation called Babylon. So needless to say, their circumstances were bleak, and they faced a great deal of discouragement as a result. 
However, as we're soon going to see, the reassuring comfort of God was hovering nearby. And at just the right time, he provided his people with a much-needed message of comfort. And it's through this message that we're going to be reminded of this important truth, church. This is what you get to leave with today. In Christ, we find comfort for every crisis. And so with that, let me just pray one more time before we hop into our study this morning. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you again for this morning, for the opportunity to, to hop into your word and study a little bit more about the comfort that you give to your people. God, if there's anyone here this morning that needs the reassuring comfort of God, if there's anyone here this morning that is treading water, that, that is, that, that, whose lives have capsized, who just needs to know and experience your comfort, your, your ever-present help, I pray, God, that you would, you would bring them that today, that you would deliver them, and that they would sense your presence this morning. Commit this time in your word to your care. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so before we jump into today's study, let me just kind of catch you up to speed real quick, provide some context. Chapter 40 of Isaiah presents a seismic shift in Isaiah's theme. In fact, it presents a major new section in his book. Isaiah is no longer addressing Judah in his own day, nor is he warning people of impending judgment. Instead, he's addressing God's people in a future day, almost a century later, and speaks about the restoration in exile. It sounds confusing. Uh, one commentator noted it this way. He is looking into his prophetic ball, so to speak, seeing a future day and declaring the gospel to the Jews who are languishing in Babylonian exile. He is saying to them and to us, listen, God has not abandoned you. Your best days are still ahead. God has a purpose of grace for you better than ever, and he's coming to save you. Believe it and let this hope fill your sails. And so by the time this message was given to Judah, God's people were defeated, they were bitter, and they were disillusioned. They believed that God had failed them and forsaken them. Even though it was their fault, they still believed God had failed them and forsaken them. And even though their exile was a result of their own sin and rebellion, they started blaming God for their problems. Yet God, and this is how good God is, in his incredible patience and mercy and grace, didn't respond to their complaints with chastisement. Instead, he responded with words of comfort. And so found within today's passage in Isaiah 40 are four points concerning this comfort. Let's look at the first, and it's the command to comfort. It begins with the command to comfort. Look at verse 1. Follow along with me. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. You know, my grandmother always used to say a Latin phrase, repetitio es mater studiorum, which is Latin for repetition is the mother of study. And in essence, what it means is the more that we repeat and review and remember a certain truth, the more equipped we're going to be for the test, right? Through the act of repetition, we absorb knowledge. And by doing so, we're not going to forget that knowledge when it matters most, in theory. Well, today's passage begins with this command of God that bears repeating. It's comfort, comfort my people, says your God. The double imperative there to comforts carries this idea of keep on saying, Keep on saying. In other words, as God's people, as God's people, we need cyclical reminders that God is our primary source of comfort, especially when we're in a crisis, don't we? Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They what? Comfort me. We need reminders of this. Friends, this truth bears repeating because just like Judah, it's easy to forget. 
in life, we are going to face many tests and trials. And some of those trials may last for a long, long time. The way we find comfort in the crisis isn't blaming God, which we're all quick to do. It's turning to God for reassurance. We saw this truth illustrated vividly last Monday night when millions upon millions of people watched a young football player named DeMar Hamlin collapse on the field and go to cardiac arrest. The watching world was stunned. Players wept in shock. Commentators were left speechless. In fact, the event was so unnerving and unprecedented that it caused the NFL to cancel the game. However, as terrifying of an event as it was, the Lord used it, church. Man, I don't know if you've been following this thing, but the Lord has used it to do something remarkable on a global stage. He's been using it to turn countless people to him in fervent prayer. I mean, when you start praying on ESPN, like live on a show, that ain't the devil. That ain't the devil. And, and so in this moment of extraordinary harmony, the stunned world turned to God for reassurance and comfort and deliverance. It was, so, I mean, I am just in chills still just watching this thing unfold. This stuff doesn't happen often. This is supernatural stuff. And in doing so, it's revealing this reality that we all instinctively know to be true but we don't acknowledge nearly as often as we should. Namely, that God is our primary, really our only true source of comfort and peace. I love what 2 Corinthians 1 says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. How many of you guys are thankful for the God of all comfort this morning, that he's right there? Amen? And so the command continues in verse 2. It says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You see, church, the purpose of discipline is to strengthen and restore, not to condemn and destroy. And it's true. When I think back on all the, the times, the many millions upon millions of times I disciplined my children when they were younger, the intent was never a condemnation. It was loving correction. Correction that would ultimately result in their good. Now, at the time, I'm sure the punishment, I know the punishment wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for me. Definitely wasn't easy for them. And it wasn't pleasing. But it was still for their well-being. Well, church, the same is true when it comes to God's discipline. Hebrews 12.6 says, For the Lord disciplines those he, what? Loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So God's children in Jerusalem, they were in this season of divine discipline meant for their correction, not their condemnation. And even though it wasn't easy, here's the thing. The blessing about seasons, being in seasons, especially seasons of discipline, is that they do not last forever. Psalm 35 says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I've heard it said that like a shot given by a doctor, this, the discomfort of God's anger lasts only for a moment, but the good effects go on for a long time. 
Well, in essence, this was the message Isaiah was called to give God's people. The Lord wanted them to know that their season of discipline was over and that their sins were atoned for and that he was going to deliver them both physically and spiritually. And this leads us to the, next, or to the second point. It's the cause for comfort. Cause for comfort. Look at verses 3 through 5. It says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, church, as most of you know, in the political and entertainment industry, a red carpet is traditionally rolled out, and it's used to, to mark the route that's taken by heads of state or celebrities during ceremonial and formal occasions. When the red carpet is rolled out, all obstacles are removed, and the pathway is made clear. When Isaiah pronounced, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, the immediate context pictured God providing this smooth, unobstructed unobstructed pathway for the Jews to return to Jerusalem from Babylon. In other words, the Lord was going to lead his people out of physical captivity. However... The future context, because Isaiah is a prophet, he also looks to the future. The future context also pictured a day when John the Baptist would roll out the red carpet, so to speak, and prepare the way for Jesus, who was sent to lead his people out of spiritual captivity. Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the landscape of sin was going to be leveled, and the pathway to salvation was going to be laid, unobstructed. And so even though the Jews would not have fully understood the magnitude of this pronouncement, they would have undoubtedly been encouraged by the prophet's message. Why? Because Isaiah reminded them of a comforting truth that we as his children tend to forget, again, especially when going through a crisis. You know what that truth is? Namely, that one way or another, the Lord will always come to the aid of his people. We just sang about it. My God will come through always. Psalm 37, verses 39 and 40 says, The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Church, just like the people of Judah, perhaps you've found yourself taken captive in the wilderness. Now you're not in Babylon, you're not in slavery, but your wilderness might be the wilderness of a certain sin issue you can't shake. The wilderness of guilt of shame, of discouragement, or a host of other things. If so, if that's you, let me encourage you to take great comfort in knowing that God is for you and not against you. He proved this unequivocally when he sent Jesus to die for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. And if you choose to take refuge in him, you can trust that in his perfect timing, he will help you and he will deliver you either from the crisis or through the crisis. But either way, God's got you. I love the promise in Isaiah 41.10. One chapter later, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen? This leads us to the third point, the confidence for comfort. Verses 6 and 7. It says, A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass. 
And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. And surely people are grass. Church, I don't know about you, but me, with each passing year, I gain a stronger appreciation for summer. Anyone with me? I love the warm weather, and I love being outside. And I often remind those weirdos who actually enjoy the long, dark, snowy, terrible days of winter, listen, you don't have to shovel sunshine. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one's outside with the sun shining 90 degrees on their sidewalks going, hey, good morning, neighbor. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to shovel sunshine. Just saying. Now, with that being said, you do have to cut your grass, which is equally kind of a pain, right? And so after a while, it gets to be a pain in the neck. And I will admit, I will admit, that there is a very brief period of time, very brief, like you sneeze and it's over, but a very brief period of time when summer ends and before fall begins that I have this sense of satisfaction that I don't have to cut my grass for a long time. But that sense of satisfaction quickly turns to lament when I realize what's coming next. Nevertheless, I digress. What's my point? The point is, (laughs) the point is grass doesn't last forever. Isaiah compares people with grass or flowers. We flourish for a little while and at some point our mortality catches up to us and we wither away and die. One commentator noted, we flourish for a brief time. Athletes win their gold medals, scientists do their research, young women perfect their beauty, conquerors build their empires, but human splendor all withers and dies in an instant when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Psalm 39.5 says, Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. So yes, mankind is weak. And yes, our lives are fleeting. However, in reminding Judah of this somber truth, Isaiah also revealed this astonishing reality about God. Even though people are finite and unstable, We serve an infinite and unchanging God. Look at verse 8. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand, read it with me, forever. Forever. This past week, I did a little research and I learned that the oldest freestanding structures on earth are the megalithic temples of Malta. Anybody ever visit those temples before? Didn't think so. But these temples date anywhere from 3600 B.C. to 700 B.C. In other words, they were around when the book of Isaiah was written, and even well before. And despite enduring countless natural disasters, wear and tear over the course of several millennia, somehow they're still standing strong-ish. Well, in the same way, Isaiah reminds us of a certainty that should bring us great comfort and confidence. No matter what crisis we might face this side of heaven, God's word is going to stand strong through it all. And unlike the man-made temples of Malta, which will one day fall, God's word will never, ever fail. The world keeps changing. This doesn't change. God's word will never fail. doesn't matter the crisis. doesn't matter the storm. doesn't matter what the world says. God's God's word stays the same. And... Jesus affirmed this when he said in Matthew 24, 35, he said, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
For the people of Judah, Isaiah's pronouncement meant that they could trust in the promises of God. They could trust him. If God said that he was going to deliver them, he was going to deliver them. They could take his word to the bank and cash it. And church, the same is true for us today. Like Judah, if we find ourselves suffering through a crisis, we can stand with confidence on the unchanging, ever-faithful promises of God. As the old hymn says, standing on the promises of God that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Psalm 119.50 says this, This is my comfort in affliction. Don't miss this. This is my comfort in affliction that your promise gives me life. Friends, you want life through, the, through, the, through whatever crisis you're going through? You want life? You want assurance? Trust in the promises of God. Amen? That was, an, that was a really mumbly amen. I don't know if you guys are tracking with what I just said right now. If you're going through an affliction and you're going through a trial and you need comfort, the way to get that comfort is to trust in the promises of God. Amen? amen. That's better. Yeah, let's do that the first time. It means more. Next. This leads us to the fourth point, the capstone for comfort. The capstone, verses 9 and 10. It says, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. Talking about the people of God there. Herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense, recompense before him. Now, in medieval times, kings had officers often called heralds, whose job was to deliver messages. In other words, they made proclamations. They announced future events, calls to action, revealed information previously unknown to their listeners. And during a time that lacked telecommunications and social media and telephones and everything else, heralds were a vital source of information for the people. And their announcements were made publicly for all to hear, generally. Well, in these closing verses, the prophet called upon God's people to be heralds of good news for all to hear. They were to go up to a high mountain and without fear, loudly announce and celebrate the coming of their God. Now again, the immediate context, the Jews would have understood this to mean that the Lord would soon deliver them from captivity, which is true. However, in a future context and much broader scale, the prophet envisioned a day when the Lord would return to establish his kingdom, judge his enemies, and reward his servants. In either case, the prophet wanted the whole world to hear about it. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. Church, one of the promises of God that we can stand on, especially when facing seasons of crisis or discouragement, is that one day, Jesus is coming back to deliver his people. One day, justice will be served. One day, all the purveyors of corruption and immorality and evil in our worlds will stand defenseless before our great king. And let me tell you, there is not one nation on planet Earth or one political leader on planet Earth that will stand a chance when God rules and reigns. Isaiah 40, 23 says he judges the great people, talking about the leaders of the world, and brings them all to 
Nothing. Nothing. Friends, like you, I am increasingly more disheartened at the state of our nation and our world. The pervasiveness of evil is sickening and oftentimes overwhelming. And there are many who have taken ideology that is straight from the pit of hell and called it good. And to make matters worse, they're pushing it on our kiddos. And of course, as followers of Christ, we have no choice but to push back against it. But even if we fail, and evil prevails, even if the fight feels hopeless, even if we lose many battles along the way, let us never forget the blessed assurance that God will win the war. Revelation 21.5 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And also he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. When God says, Write it down, church, what do we got to do? We got to write it down. And we got to trust it. I'm coming. Oh boy, am I coming. I'm going to make all things new. You better write this down. Take notes. I'm coming. I love that about God. He gives us confidence and assurance. Church, just like the people of Judah, we have a choice to make. We can either view our crisis from a position of defeat or a position of victory. We can complain and lament over our circumstances, or we can loudly and proudly and fearfully proclaim, Behold your God! Behold your God! Might I suggest that we find much more satisfaction in the latter and not the former? A little bit later in this book, the prophet Isaiah calls God's people to a posture of praise. And it's a posture that I believe that we as God's people need to embrace a lot more than we currently do. Because listen, I look at the state of the church, and I see complainers, and I see lamenters, and I see woe is mirrors. But the church is supposed to have a different posture. Isaiah said in, 49, in Isaiah 49, 13, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Bring forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. That ought to be the attitude of God's people in 2023. Now Isaiah closes with one last encouraging word about the comfort of God in relation to his people. And it's just as true for God's people now as it was then. Look at verse 11. It says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead those who are with young. You see, church, just like a a good father, the Lord, he is sensitive to the needs of his children, especially when they're down and discouraged. Like what Kay Arthur said, she said, snuggle in God's arms. When you are hurting, when you feel lonely or left out, let him cradle you and comfort you and reassure you of his all-sufficient power and love. Friends, we have full access to the reassuring comfort of God whenever we need it. And so therefore, let me encourage you, if you are here today in need of God's consolation or comfort or care, then call out to him and ask for it. Whatever burden you're carrying, give it over to him. Whatever sin needs confessing, confess it over to him. Whatever it is that you need from the Lord today, simply ask him and trust him to answer according to his will and his perfect timing. Your comforter is always hovering nearby. Always. Jesus said it best in Matthew 11. 
He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, Jesus didn't say to come to him, then you might find rest for your souls, did he? He said you will find rest for your souls. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember, in Christ we find comfort for every crisis. And I like to just close by addressing those of you who do not yet have Christ. In other words, you've never placed your faith in him for eternal life. If that's you, just listen closely. Listen closely to me. The single greatest crisis that we all face, all of us, we're all in this together, is the crisis of sin. The Bible says, teaches that, that your sin and my sin, it separates us from God. Sin separates you from God. Yet God, in his great love for you, became a man in Jesus Christ. And he died on a cross, taking the punishment of your sins upon himself. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And in doing so, he provided a way for you to receive forgiveness for your sins and have eternal life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you want to be forgiven, listen, if you want to be forgiven of your sins and be assured of your salvation, then all you must do is admit that you're a sinner and repent of your sin, asking God to forgive you and believe in the person and work of Jesus. Friends, let me tell you something. There is no greater comfort on planet Earth. No greater comfort. I, I, just, this is, I speak from my own experience. I find no greater comfort on planet Earth than the comfort of knowing that despite my own self, I get to go to heaven when I die. There is no greater comfort in knowing because of what Jesus did on the cross. And, and simply by, by placing my faith in him when I was a teenager that, that the price was paid and I can go to heaven when I die. It's such a comfort to know because every time I mess up, and, and I don't know if about you, but the more I, I grow in my, in my walk with Jesus and, and continue to age and get balder and grow beards and stuff, the more that happens, the, I actually, I, the more I recognize how terribly sinful I am, right? Like, 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 like wow, I thought I was going to be better, and I'm like recognizing worse qualities in myself now than I was you know, 20 years ago. And every time Satan tries to attack me and accuse me, I get to run back to the cross and say, wow, thank you, Jesus. You forgave these sins 2,000 years ago. Like the song said, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. So let me encourage you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus for eternal life, let today be the day of your salvation. Don't put it off any longer. As I mentioned earlier, your days are only a few hand breaths, and you are not guaranteed tomorrow. As the Apostle Paul declared, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Now, if you'd like more information about what that means to be saved, you can speak with me after the service today. You can come forward, grab an information packet right up front here as you're leaving. Or you can mark something on your Connect slip. But let me tell you, don't leave here without having the comfort and reassurance of eternal life because that's kind of the first step. You want the comfort of God, it's got to begin by knowing God and giving your life to Christ. And so at this time, I'd like to call those who are part of the praise team to come forward. 
I also like to invite those that are part of our prayer team to come forward, and they're going to just kind of hang out up front here. And when the service is over, if you guys need prayer, the prayer team will be up front, just available. Just say, hey, can you pray for this? And they'll pray over you, and that'll be it. But they'll be here if you need to, need to pray today. But let me pray over you as we close our time out together. Lord God, I want to thank you for your word and for the reassuring comfort of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that even in spite of ourselves, God, I look at Judah and they sinned against you, God, and yes, you punished them, but you were still there with them even through the punishment. And God, we are so grateful that, that you discipline those that you love and that, uh, Lord, you view us as children. And, and as any good father, Lord, you're going to do everything you can to keep us on the straight and narrow. So I praise you for that truth. But Father God, if there's anyone here this morning that is going through a crisis that, is, that has really taken them down, Lord, if there's anyone here today that is treading water and doesn't know how much longer they could hang in there, help them to find their reassurance in you today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. They would trust Christ with their lives. Not only their earthly life, but more importantly, their internal life. And Lord, we are so grateful that you are the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. Thank you for being that ever-present help. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.